Hi guys, welcome to Midnight Movie Night, where we discuss some of the best of the worst movies of all time. Join with me now, we've got some special guests from uh, Los Angeles. He's a returning guest to CTA Comedy. CTA, how are you? Doing well, my man. How are you? Thank you for having me. Good to see you. I'm doing well. Also, for her uh, first time on, is Heather Rogiers, the real-life pretend psychic. How are you? I'm uh, fine. Great. How are you? I'm okay. I'll be honest. I'm a little tired. It's been a it's been a long year, but yeah, it's been a long eight months. <laughs> it's been a it's been a COVID it's been a COVID nineteen months for me. But <laughs> we uh we watched a very for you know I'm doing bad horror movie sequels for the month of October, and uh, we watched a movie called An American Werewolf in Paris, which was something else. I discovered this movie. I saw the end scene of the bungee jump and I knew I needed to watch the whole thing because this is, oh, uh, I honestly was really disappointed by the ending. Cause I oh, thought really? that, that cause, cause the one of the bungee cords wasn't tied in spoiler alert. <laughs> but it wasn't spoiler. Tied in. And I yeah. thought for sure one of them was going to die. They set it up that way. That would have made it like a classic. That would have turned it from a great movie into a, phenomenal movie <laughs> it was yeah we'll get into the whole ending but i mean this movie is a sequel to a movie called an american Werewolf in london which is such a great movie it's a little horror comedy directed by john landis who did animal house blues brothers but he also directed a music video called thriller so he has a little bit of a horror background and that movie was so great because it has all those practical effects and won the Oscar because that whole scene where he, you know, transforms into a werewolf was so iconic. This one, however, not so werewolf much. Titties. You had a werewolf you had titties. A, yeah, some hairy titties go, go wolf style. Yeah, that whole... <laughs> the CGI in this movie was horrendous. <laughs> it was... I can't even begin... Like it, even for its time, it was bad. The werewolves yeah. were melting; they couldn't yeah. stick to a proportion. You know. I mean, I think this was '96. I mean, this was a few years after, you know, Jurassic Park. '97. '97. '97. My bad. I didn't do hey, my research. I just bro. want to make sure that we're in the right, you know, time frame. You know, the <laughs> I mean, to be fair, in '97. '97 was kind of the beginning of the let's reboot everything and make a sequel to everything. Right. That was the really opened up in the 2000s. So this is nice. You know, it's, it's got nothing like, to do with the OG, although they mention that this yeah. Oh, well, that's my parents. Oh, so she's only 16? Like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, like, I don't... I, don't I mean... The movies got me wondering if I should be watching it. I mean, they got this whole werewolf cult that was not a part of the first one that I guess was a thing. I mean, because in the first one, you know, I'm trying to think back, but they just, you know, they had the whole people get killed by the werewolf and then they haunt you until you eventually kill yourself. But in this one, they kind of mentioned that, but it's also, no, you could just kill the head wolf. It's fine. Like they kind of. And this one, well, yeah, they had werewolf Nazis and that was like, the (laughs) right. And that was like the main story, right? Was there's the werewolf Nazis and there's the cure. That's not a cure. And it turns you into a werewolf. And, and Julie Delpy's character delivers all the exposition you need. So the undead people are here, but they're kind of just here. They're frivolous, you know? Yeah. They don't really have any points. 
Yeah, it was so confusing. Because in the first one, it's just straight up, dude, kill yourself. I am dying. And his best friend kept looking worse and worse and worse. But in this one, the Ike Bernholtz knockoff, which he kept coming up to him, just like, bro, like, I don't want you to die. I'm trying to save him. Like, wait, what? Right. He's trying to guide him to kill the werewolf, but Julie Bowen wasn't having it. Well, let's save let's save our Julie Bowen comments for, for let's, a moment. Let's save but, you know, it. I mean, but. that's what you get when you have uh, uh, an idea. You know, if the three of us were uh, were were tasked with making a remake of of Star Wars, it would probably be not as good as the original. Probably, maybe not. maybe not. I don't. Mine know. would be better. But, but what okay. I'm saying is, <laughs> it's obvious that they were like, oh, we're just going to cut the edges off. We're not going to worry about the uh, you know script. Do we have a script? No, no, we don't need that. We have the Eiffel Tower. and they didn't really even do the rinse and repeat of a lot of sequels where it's just like the same story with different characters they opted for an entirely new thing it really doesn't make any sense you know it really lycanthrope and whatnot that's 60 ad was the first book written about a werewolf man written around in northern england killing people yeah look at you got the werewolf lore i'm just saying like that's been a while and that's where it took place so it kind of has like a little historical kind of like hook to get you in and it's kind of funny this yeah. one just had better music that's <laughs> you let you're a bush fan you know this whole soundtrack if you had just the soundtrack to this movie and the cure you would know what's up with alternative music in the 90s you would have been yeah that would be that's a 101 for the 90s music you're right like there. i got you i got you oh what's this chili peppers playing again all right <laughs> But I mean, we got to talk. So our first three guys, you know, we got Tom Everett Scott, got our Ike Bernholtz guy from uh, Grind, and some other. I just called him Brony is the third guy, and <laughs> I just it's just the three of them. I just love that they have Daredevil points. Was that what they were talking about on the train? <laughs> got both yeah. Daredevil points and sex points. Mm. That's just, and that's how they're, you know, navigating their whole vacation. It's like, he's, I just love, he's like, bro, I will give you 20 sex points if you get her number. It's like, bro, I don't think, wouldn't a sex point be like, if you have sex? <laughs> I call me crazy. I just don't. But they got different rules, these three. They are so bizarre and just... I don't know. I thought it was interesting how single-mindedly focused they were on sex the whole time, right? The whole trip. When Julie Shelby's character comes in, she's committing suicide, and it's very... (laughs) Oh, my God. We'll talk. And meanwhile, what's his name? Edward Scott, whatever his name is, he's just like, that's the woman of my dream. (laughs) Even says to her, I was just really enticed by how sad you are. It was so hot. I just, how could someone so hot be so sad? And you're jumping off the the Eiffel Tower. It's so sad. And he refuses to hit on the woman on the train. He's like, she's not my type. So his type (laughs) is like suicidal, right? That's the only difference I can see. Is this woman that's ready to go is what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, I get it. My type is suicidal too, because if someone's about to kill themselves when you hit on them and then the relationship goes sour and they start blaming you for being depressed, it's like, you can't put that on me. You were already there. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, hey, if you're looking for that Forest Hill Bridge, if you just stay there for a few days, you might you might meet someone. I don't know. It is really, it is right? a high bridge. It's a hot spot to meet suicidal singles. <laughs> there, there's the dating app we just invented. 
But wow, the Golden Gate Bridge. <laughs> also, can we mention how they're doing all this? Of course, it's pre-internet time, late '90s. But not even a single GoPro among these. They're literally not putting one. themselves in danger from um, death-defying stunts and foreign VD, and they have no record, no record of it. None, because they go, they sneak up somehow to the top of the Eiffel Tower. Yeah, and they play. They break in, and they're only. I mean, they have no record. Like, I'm going to do this stunt just to prove myself to these two idiots who yeah. aren't really going to brag about our talent just for the just for the points of their stupid little game. Not, I mean, I guess it's just well, she's up there too. So you got to wonder about security in the Eiffel Tower that night. What was There's going none. on? Right? Was, I mean, well, maybe, maybe she took out the guard with her her werewolf powers, and then yeah. that's why they could get up there. Her transformation. Anything would have been be- any kind of exposition would have been better than just her going. Here's how it works. <laughs> vampires are not the vampires. Oh wait, the werewolves. I'm sorry, we were in the wrong I'm movie. Sorry. Underworld. Underworld comes later. That's a whole other movie. But so movie started they, that genre. It did. And Blade they, and Underworld are absolutely remnants of this film. Of American Werewolf in Paris. I just well that Euro trash disco where they murder you. Like that's that's in like 20 movies now. I mean, and it's almost the same dudes playing the, the same guys. Like. <laughs> Whether they're vampires or werewolves or just murdering dudes, it doesn't matter. It's, it's always true. like a club where they want to bring in Americans. We'll talk about the Fourth of July party too. That's you <laughs> know what hit us Fourth of July party. I love the fact that the Americans are all wearing "I love New York" shirts. <laughs> I love the Dude. fact that the werewolf Nazi cult is saying like we're here to get rid of the scum of the earth, and then they're just focused on killing Americans. You know what I mean? <laughs> American tourists. That, yeah, it's true. They came to the right place. But I just love so Julie Delpy, who admitted she was only in this movie because she needed to pay her rent. It happens. I mean, she's been in good movies. Like it's it's all good. I, mean, I liked it, like the way she was committed, right? Because she's a very serious actress, and yeah. I know her from a lot of serious movies. And she commits to right. her character, to the tone of what she's doing. And then you just contrast that with whatever Everett Scott whatever that guy's name is who who cannot commit to the tone like he carries the same tone while she's dying in his arms of just like oh no you know <laughs> will we have a bone am I gonna get these points his character was so weird in this movie and because so she tries to commit suicide and he jumps after her with a bungee, but he's the worst fucking bungee jumper ever because he never looks to see if his rope is tied to the thing. He just goes for it. Like, I just don't... How is he still alive? How are you a daredevil at this point? Also, the Eiffel Tower flares out. I don't know if you guys know this about the Eiffel Tower, but it flares out, right? So clearly, after he gets to the bottom and starts going back up, he bumps his head on the top of it. (laughs) <laughs> and and here's my up. theory though my theory is that they're only right here of the Eiffel Tower oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you make it think they're up there but they're only right here so when he yeah. jumps off with no rope he's like I could probably live if it's not connected can we and also talk about the fact that the rope is the only he empties out his backpack completely and that's all he packed <laughs> that's the one I wrote down oh my god no deodorant no nothing Nothing. They never stay anywhere, by the way. I'm pretty sure that they were traveling broke, just homeless, because there's no hostel scene. There's just them in the hospital or them going to Julie Delpy's house, you know? Yeah, it was just the hospital bed. I mean, I think this is an example of what happens when 38 people write your movie. 
Yeah. <laughs> and when the director really... on the day of gets a note from the producer, he goes, hey, listen, man, we need to uh, make sure that his rope is the only thing in that backpack, right? I don't want to <laughs> see no porn or anything falling out of that bag, just the rope, you know, <laughs> like, okay, we'll put that note in. Like, oh, it looks like they just said yes to so many things to just throw in. Uh, that you really make no sense. Don't add exposition. They don't no. add background. There's just like you wouldn't want extra things in there to distract the audience from the fact that there's right. Because if this movie does anything correctly, it doesn't add in a bunch of extra useless things. You know, <laughs> for no point. And it was pretty ridiculous. I mean, it just go. He bonks his head. He's in the hospital, and that's when I feel like. I mean, his character was already just kind of dumb but his character is just so bizarre in this movie and it's just so i don't know just impulsive and when oh my god and then they so they're in the hospital bed and they they're talking about the girl at the eiffel tower and they think to themselves we gotta go get her suicide note to is find that... out where she lives by the way yeah. not because they're concerned that she wanted to kill herself at <laughs> any point in the film they only wanted like that the content of the note never comes up right so then and they have that montage, that Smash Mouth, mo that Smash Mouth that the montage. Smash Mouth montage. How else would you find a girl's people's shoulders? They're looking, you know what I mean? Yeah, in Paris, <laughs> and it's fun. You know, I mean, it's fun. Why? It so fun. It made no sense, but it, I had absolutely a good time. no sense. I mean, so what? Even like like Bernholtz guy looks over this old man's shoulder who's reading a newspaper, <laughs> and he's looking for her suicide note. Why would? what i'm so and they're just digging through the trash eventually they find it <laughs> that's and then a they second unit director decision right there yeah. make sure he's really looking over the guy's shoulder at the newspaper Mystery. and there's nothing in the newspaper like I, I watched that scene again like is there something in the newspaper about the werewolf attacks like no no he's just looking over, he's just creeping he's, on some old guy <laughs> just creeping on some like maybe he knows right he's into young chicks like oh <laughs> But eventually they find the note. I forgot how. I think it was in the trash. And then they track her down. And he's got to save her because obviously she's troubled. And when they go on that date at the cafe, oh, so man. much shit happened. That was the most ridiculous scene. I mean, where <laughs> where do you begin? I mean, the right. fact that he had to beg her to go out with him. And Thanks it was actually her. really kind of creepy how desperate he was. No, he's insane in this movie. I'm just convinced that that bong on the head just went, he went ballistic. And just like, he's just in full stalker mode because they go on that date, they tell him just be macho, bro. And just be cool. Wear these sunglasses, do the duck lips. Yeah. You, got <laughs> you got this, bro. Don't be yourself, be fucking cool. And so they go to the cafe. Oh my God. And when he... <laughs> So what's that? He like she Tom reveals does, right? she uh, reveals that her parents are dead. He spits out the coffee and then mm. he wipes his face with the cloth. And what does it say on the cloth? A hundred points if you boink her tonight. <laughs> on they wrote that as a note for him. It was like good luck, bro. It's like you got this, bro. And then halfway through the day, we, we reveal that the two guys are just sitting there in the cafe with him. <laughs> just, like, how's he doing? Like, hiding behind him anyway. Like, I'm a fucking idiot. Yeah. Are these guys going to order or what? <laughs> and oh, then the condoms oh, pop out, the right? The condoms pop out of his like pocket. They're, they're gone. <laughs> and this scene, because okay. this movie's he trying to be a comedy. To uh, hey, this scene has been done, though, so many times. Okay. But it's been done so many times where they mistake, oh, the con, oh, it's chewing gum. I mean, I think Conehead's probably did it best. 
They did it in Conehead, so it's not even a. It's the best joke in the uh, movie. Oh, I was gonna say, yeah, this is the only genuinely funny part that I was laughing with the movie. Because... Yeah, especially Julie going like, you know, if a boy likes a girl in Paris, the way he tells her is like <laughs> the biggest bubble he can. He was into it too. Okay. <laughs> and exactly. It's, it's like the... you know you have a condom in your mouth. Like this is clearly a trap. You know. <laughs> and when he also. Can I just say, um, how does it go from 20 points to get this girl's number to 100 points if you boink this other girl? Like, that's a totally uh, arbitrary point system, sir. You I know? Just, yeah. And the and fact know, that they're still, they're still saying boink is really... The other, like, like, aside from that, it's like they managed to be so consistent in the film, right? But they couldn't manage to keep a consistent point system. I'm like, I, well, I think it depends on who's giving you the points, right? The one guy's pretty loose with the points. Oh, bro, I'll give you 20 if you talk to her. The other guy's tight. No, 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 no. 100 if you, if you 100. shake hands with it. But it's you just... to bring me her stock. And you're like, bro, I don't want to play this game anymore. Like, I would love that scene to be in the movie. Right. <laughs> but I mean, oh, I just love the fact that so when he blows the condom and it lands in some dude's tea and he freaks out and he comes over and the two guys try to defend Tom Everett Scott. But do you notice when he shoves the Ike Bernholtz guy, the other brownie falls over too? It's like, wait, <laughs> he did it. He just, I guess he was just afraid. Like, oh shit, you got me too low. I can't, I can't help you. I can't. But then we realized Julie. Not the face, not the face. <laughs> Julie's got super strength. She shoves that motherfucker super far. <laughs> but I just slept so, and then Julie Delpy, she takes off, she gets on her bike and run, and she's riding away. But when Tom's just chasing her down and he's just running right next to her, he's like, oh, that was so cool. How'd you learn how to fight like that? You wanna, <laughs> like, dude, she's just trying to get away from you. Do you not, <laughs> do you not see that? But he's playing it off like they're just walking away from the cafe, but he's like, oh, hey. <laughs> And then she stands by that freaking pond. And he's like, "You want me to leave, don't you?" Okay. <laughs> now you well, get that. Because he's running in miles per hour, and she's biking in kilometers per hour. <laughs> and I just love, yeah. And then when she finally, well, when he finally takes the hand, like, okay, she's not into me. And that's when she goes, "No, I kind of like this guy." And then she she decides, wait. We sh maybe we should hang out. Oh no, we can't. I'm cursed. I forgot. And she takes <laughs> off again. <laughs> I just, I'm not. I'm just not getting it. But Sarah, what's her name? Seraphine. Seraphine, like the shark. Seraphine. Pronounce it at least was. I, I remember that it was like she was a dolphin or something. <laughs> but is that when we're? When do we get? So after that, we get to like the werewolf underground society. The yeah, they heads. go over to her house, but she's not there. Claude's there, right? Like, and they're like, "Are you her boyfriend?" And she's like, "No, I just." He's like, "No, I just take care of her sometimes," you know. <laughs> and then he invites them to the the werewolf. I guess what is it's like a it's like a slaughter party. They're gonna eat all the slaughter guests. party, baby. Yeah, <laughs> not oh, but he gets so excited. When Americans, like he, you know what I mean? Like he, oh, I wasn't preparing to work this afternoon. I was taking the day off, but America, let I me mean, just like puts on his Claude face and just goes. Get it? Cause Claude, like a, like a werewolf. Isn't that cute? Is that subtle? But anyway. It was just the German thing. Like he's a, he's a, he's a Nazi. So of course his name is German, you know? <laughs> it was just, and that's when they get to the whole party. Is that when people start wolfing out? At the yes. CGI? Uh, yeah, that yeah. first part. Well, she runs over, she realizes that they're there, right? 
Well, so first of all, she's in a cage, and one of his buddies <laughs> comes to rescue her from the cage, and he thinks it's something kinky. That she's, he like, does, he asked her that. Some weird sex act and stuff like that, but then, yeah, she finds out he's at the party, so she has to go rescue him. <laughs> so she goes and rescues him, and she they're like fleeing through the through the sewers and she's like now you have to go before i transform and stuff like that and he's still misreading the situation still. It was so while I mean, she's desperately telling him to run away and then she throws him into the sewer he's like i'll never understand women and then she starts <laughs> transforming he's like and she's like go away with the whole cgi like sarah are you okay like, that's wrong <laughs> and she's visibly turning into stuff like and he's still i think that's the message of the movie it's just about men not taking the hint when someone's just not into it i think that's well that is like, definitely whether they meant it that way or not, it definitely it was the strongest point of the movie. It's the most believable thing, too. <laughs> Men are totally like that. You know, you could literally be turning into a wolf in front of them and they'll just be like, what's wrong, baby? what I do? <laughs> and it's just, it's funny because we finally get, I mean, we're so far into this movie, we barely had any werewolf shit happen at all. And, we, and the werewolf finally tracks him down, claws him, which I guess turns him into one i thought you had to be mauled by i don't know the werewolf lore i really but that whole scene when he wakes up in julie delpy's bed is <laughs> i love it by the way if you, guys, scared, though. if you guys need to grab my titties to relax <laughs> she jumps on top of him takes her top off and puts her hand puts his hands on her tits like do you need this, this? is this helping and he's just like i don't get it <laughs> I just don't. What's up? He's like this. It is helping. It's, yes. <laughs> it's helping. It's helping. Okay, it's helping. It's like, dude, like that's some of his best acting. I'm gonna call him that thing you do for the rest of the movie. Just so acting like he wasn't. I'm not gonna call him Everett Skin. I'm gonna call him that thing you do. <laughs> that was what pretty much the only thing. That was his jam. That's all he knows. That's all he knows. So Tom Hanks told me this works and it's gonna work. It works in Paris. It's not gonna be a problem. But what's so weird is that, so she's on top of him, they're like kind of getting into it, but then it turns into a hallucination where she comes into the room again. Like, doesn't, wait, wouldn't the hallucination have to have started when she was on top of him and then takes off the top and then turns into a word? But then she does, it was just really- but Then it goes the, back to her being on top of him again. Yeah, it's just like, wait, so yeah. you're doing a nightmare scene in the middle of the normal scene, but the normal right. scene has already started. I just, it was not- it was okay. another frivolous thing where it served a purpose in the original with the whole survivor's guilt, hallucinations, conversations with your undead friend that actually like moved the plot and the uh, allegory forward. And they just tried to keep it all for this <laughs> movie, but it's completely unnecessary this time around. It just did not, it did not go Absolutely. well this time. Yeah, like when he gets in the first one, when he gets the hearing and he's like, you right. know, in the restaurant, listen, like that's amazing. You know, that's such a... In this one, he just goes nuts in the restaurant and decides to eat raw meat. That, oh, right. that whole scene. When he just, obviously, when you're at a restaurant, you can just grab stuff off the tray that they're served. Like, that's fine. That's mine now. That's fine. And he just <laughs> fucking eats it. Just and the waiter, the I need a refire on that stick. Skirt, right? And the cheetah print turns him on all of a oh, sudden. He's oh, like, you do it. And well, he, oh my god that whole scene the girl his friend's like you would never go for a bimbo like that <laughs> <Something's wrong." laughs> i mean yeah when so he's Negative freaking points. out 
he's getting all werewolfed out. He sees a dog, tries to pick a fight, and Julie Bowen, our girl, our modern family girl, is so into it. She loves how she loves that doggy style. She loves that werewolf man. Well, because there's definitely some BDSM undertone going on with the whole primal fetish where like, that's clearly her thing because the more he acts like a fucking animal, the more she-, she She's into so it. into it, even though he's hallucinating. But the thing is then he's hallucinating and seeing dead Ike Bernholtz knock up and he's still freaking out, but she still likes that. And now he's just seeing dead people, but she's still just out. He's just, he's dreaming. I really need to sleep with them, which that whole, that whole graveyard scene was that, oof. I just, oof. when, I mean, everything she said, I mean, half the time Julie Bowen just kept saying shit that had no lead up. Why, what, wasn't he just standing next to her? She's like, I love Jim Morrison. And they go to the gym, they go to the fucking graveyard. And like, is he buried in Paris? I don't yeah. know. Okay, so is that, so were they fucking on his grave? They were. Um, well, you know, you can't use it because that's going to cost money. Even in the <laughs> 90s, that cost money to use the doors. <laughs> it's like um, it's in the script, but then they couldn't actually buy the song like they were planning on. That would no, 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 dude. This song by this song by the Smash Mouth's way better, bro. Don't worry <laughs> about that, Jim Morrison. He's dead anyway. Oh man, they sneak off to that graveyard, and were they fucking? Was that a that song was Bush? Was that old oh, mouth? Well, that was. That song made Bush. Bush was what, what they were is they were like a like a like a rock pop band, but that dude sang just like Kurt Cobain. If you listen to that song Glycerine in your head right now, that's him doing his best Kurt Cobain impersonation. So I I used to work what I'm saying is he's a B, but that. then he got this mouth song, and now he's an A, and then he married what's her name? Boom, he's in lore forever now. He made it happen. Bush made it happen. It was the only Bush America liked in the '90s. <laughs> It was just oh, that whole. I mean, just the fact that the first movie is known for the whole transforming scenes because it was so iconic and it was so intense and brutal. And this movie, he just pops out. It's like I'm a werewolf now. Like this is CG. This is what happened. Like, oops. <laughs> like yeah. they were trying to show it, uh, but he attacks her. He kills her. R.I.P. Julie. And then, well, the detective guy, the the creeper was hanging out the whole time yeah the voyeuristic creeper <laughs> and he was just sitting there he's like oh, i hope he doesn't do anything sketchy and then he does and he murders he's like ah oh, damn it like i'm probably i'm just sitting here watching though then he shoots him twice and then he gets fucking mauled to death himself like what was the point i mean they have that whole you know other subplot of the, the police are just watching this tourist guy and oh, then because because the, the, next... the, the police are so ridiculous too like at the, <laughs> at the final trans like the final nazi werewolf cult scene where they're just yeah. completely ignoring the fact that there's like this whole party going on and they're still just <laughs> trying to arrest him it's so ridiculous and it was so funny because he gets arrested the next day killed the dog which was rude but he goes to jail and then he has that whole hallucination again where julie bellin since he never died, does that mean that she continued to follow him around for like the rest of time after the movie was over? I mean, well, they killed the hero werewolf, don't they? Spoiler. But they killed. I mean, they... Well, so that's the werewolf that bit him. So yeah. it manages to help his his dead friend break the curse, cross over and break the curse. But does that mean that he doesn't transform anymore? But does that mean that also the people he killed? 
get to cross over, you know, because that it sounds like that's this this is starting to sound a lot like the Episcopalian Protestant arguments here. Oh, uh, we're getting deep now. What we're happened to the people now? If he up. killed the people with his left hand, they're not gonna get they're not gonna go to heaven. I just know that this was a very well thought out movie, and they really crossed the T's and dotted the I's. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I just love because I mean, you got the skinheads coming after him. I mean, they keep kidnapping him, but the whole scenes when they're chasing him down and doing all the stuff. They're just playing this like ska music and it's just kind of lighthearted. Just, oh, I'm just going to run through Paris now. It's not like intense. Like, I don't know how to feel. I mean, it's just, I feel like he I'm also supposed to be doesn't worried. seem particularly worried at any point in the No, movie. it's like, damn it. I'm just trying to fuck Julie Delpy, but just yeah. ruining my Single-minded life. Single-minded purpose. I think he thought it's like, it's almost like the, the male, the men in the movie think it's called an American in Paris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I got, I got what you did. <laughs> it's a second. But yeah, it's just, it's such a fun movie. I mean, you get to near the end. I mean, they're doing the whole 4th of July party that he tries to, he's trying to keep a low profile, but he decides, you know what? I gotta, I gotta make my announcement. I gotta, everyone pay attention. There's something bad that's gonna happen. And then the cops, we, like we said, try to stop him. And then, yeah, again, the cops suck because Tom just straight up takes his gun and just starts fucking firing at the cult. Oh, my God. But we try to, he keeps trying to, you know, sacrifice Brownie. Poor Brownie. But at least he's not Ike. At least he's You know, those alive. Bronies. The one Brony actually played in the, the one Brony is a, a bass player and an actor. So he played in the band's Filter and Fuel. So he's like 100% the 90s Brony of the year. Like, that's what he does now. I mean, he really, they needed to have a scene where he takes his shirt off to try to break out of that cage. And he takes his pants because that's the only way. Like, you know, and he, I just love he throws in all of his clothes, his keys, and his wallet, and his shoes. I'm like, dude, like, you might need those. I don't, like, but it worked. I mean, his little plan worked. He broke out only to get captured again. They tried to sacrifice him, but it didn't work out. But we get to our, uh, our big old subway showdown which is, I feel like the werewolf cult, it's not so much secret anymore when there's a bunch of witnesses. I mean, I could be wrong. I don't know. They get morphing out, but. <laughs> Fake news, bro. Fake news. It just Werewolves on the street? Come on, bro. Something, right? Like, at the end of the first one, the news report was just saying, oh, there's a dog. You know? <laughs> it's a guy now, but whatever. It doesn't matter. But I mean, this whole thing, I mean, when you get to the nitty gritty of it, if it's a sequel to the first one, it, yeah, it doesn't follow because the first one is about the main guy turning into a werewolf a bunch of times, freaking out about it, all this stuff. But our main dude, he only transforms twice. And, and the last scene, he kills the main bad guy. And that's really about it. Well, they were, they, there's a little exposition. They try to go deep into this thing where it's like, oh, you got to eat the heart of the werewolf. Thing. So that they make a big deal of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of exposition about her mother and her father. Her stepfather had created, uh, a, you know, cure and a serum. There's always right. a serum. You know it's a whack movie when the word serum comes up. <laughs> but the whole point wrong. in that was that then the, the, the werewolf Nazis could transform at will, right? And they could just, like shoot themselves up with the serum when it's not when it's not the full moon and go after people you know and so it becomes like this plot device that does it's cocaine sort of it's cocaine okay, let's just call it what <laughs> let's it is be real okay that's werewolf cocaine this whole thing but i mean the whole 
We got to talk about the bungee jump wedding. <laughs> oh, my God. What were they? Again, oh, wait, wait, wait. You got to get to the – because the cure is she gets shot, okay? She's yeah. in the ambulance. She starts to turn into a werewolf. The EMT hits her with adrenaline. He does. And she lives. Adrenaline. <laughs> so in order to live, they have to create the adrenaline flow. And that gets us to our wedding. It's a whole crank situation. But <laughs> oh my God, they're on the top of the Statue of Liberty. They snuck up in the middle of the day because Brownie comes up and goes, Guys, someone's coming. You have to quit. Get married. <laughs> and of course, you have the ring and he forgets it. And then he fucking drops it. And they bungee jump off the Statue of Liberty. He catches the ring midair, puts it on her ring finger. They kiss. And then like we were talking about, he finds out again that his fucking, his rope isn't tied. Worst daredevil ever. He should be dead by now, but. Well, and I don't even know whose rope wasn't tied. You can tell one of them's not tied, but I thought it would have been a great mirror to the first scene, as well as to the original film, if if he failed to catch her and then he saved her originally, but then now she dies by accident scared of her reason to kill herself, et cetera. It would have been, but too clever for this movie. They just need to throw that. There was I no, mean, I want to read your books, Heather. They sound amazing. <laughs> you got all plot and you got like, you like a real movie. I love it. Yeah. I, I go deep, you know, I wasn't, I was, I was, I was, you know, all of the symbols too. Like at the beginning, they're talking about, how sex and love separates human from animal. You know, they're they talking- They touched that briefly, yeah. Five they're points. talking about how <laughs> European women have hairy pits and then the whole hairy <laughs> werewolf aspect comes into play. Lots of foreshadowing. <laughs> all sorts of symbols going on and, and yeah, foreshadowing. And not to mention all of that, like all those kinky undertones, like when Claude says, oh, I take care of her sometimes. Like, I read that as like, what, are you her dom? Like what's going on here? <laughs> there, was, there was a lot of subtle stuff in this movie. But what do you guys say you recommend an American Werewolf in Paris as like an enjoyably bad movie? This was like, like I think this was one of my favorite movies. Um, Ever? <laughs> I mean, how many, like, you know, for a great movie, it's got, like, 15 things you like. But this maybe has, like, four things you like. No, <laughs> I love every is second. Good. The scenery is pretty good. Uh, everybody sort of looks sexy. It's 90s sexy, so, you know, it's... It's got Julie Bowen. She aged. I would, well, like you know, I love, I love... Who doesn't love Julie Bowen? And Julie Bowen. Yeah, that's Julie's of the 90s. The true art that was coming out of the producer's head when he was making all of these last minute changes. You know? Yeah. I would like to see the uh, storyboards versus the finished product. <laughs> yeah. That would be. There was a storyboard. Does it really come I, off? Well, I really think it'd be like on a napkin that says Boinker for 20 points. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Look, here's the storyboard, bro. This movie's going to be awesome. You know? Hey guys, thanks for listening. Be sure to follow Heather Rogue over on her Instagram, which is at Real Life Pretend Psychic. And don't forget to follow CTA Comedy, which is at CTA Comedy. And don't forget to follow me, which is at Kevin Heisinger. And, you know, if you're feeling crazy, also Venmo me, which is also at Kevin Heisinger. And if you have any questions or comments or concerns, feel free to email us over at Midnight Movie Night. 420 at gmail.com that it's midnight movie night 420 at gmail.com because midnight movie night was already taken so 
I had to spice it up. Thanks so much for listening. I love you. Have a good night.